This is Jack Carr, bringing you 11 special episodes of the Terminal List podcast, The Danger Close, to commemorate the one-year anniversary of the Prime video series. Last year, I sat down with showrunner David DiGilio and my friend, SEAL teammate, producer, and actor Jared Shaw to break down each episode and bring you behind-the-scenes information from the Amazon Prime video adaptation of my first novel. This series features eight episode recaps and breakdowns, two listener question episodes, and a conversation with Chris Pratt. Enjoy. Over 60 men were killed in the worst special operations disaster in modern Residents history. Residents of Coronado, California, were shocked by the brutal murder of Lauren Reese and her three-year-old daughter. Seal Lieutenant Commander James Reese survived the ambush, but is under investigation. Welcome to the Terminal List Podcast, an Ironclad original series presented by KC Cattle Company. I'm Jack Carr, author and creator of The Terminal List. On each episode, we break down a different episode of the Amazon Prime video series starring Chris Pratt. On today's episode, we're talking about episode seven, Extinction. Joining me is, of course, Jared Shaw, without whom this would not be a production right now. He handed the book to Chris Pratt back in 2017 before it hit shelves, and that is why we're on this podcast today, why this whole team got put together, and why the Amazon Prime video series exists. So thank you so thank much, you, sir. Jared. Oh, man, incredible. And showrunner David DiGilio, and I don't know if we talked about this on another podcast, but uh, maybe people are just joining us for this one, but can you give a little rundown about what a showrunner is and what a showrunner does? Because from the outside, oh. you know you know what a director yeah. is, you kind of understand producers, and then you see all these other things like co-producer and this and that, but you kind of have a general understanding of that, um, yeah. but showrunner, because that was something that was new to me as I started down this path. Yeah, totally. It's a fascinating term, and I'm happy that it's becoming... Uh, more and more part of uh, today's lexicon. Mm -hmm. um, the showrunner is, in effect, the kind of player manager of TV. So you're on the field as a writer, as a producer, but you're also, you have to lead uh, right brain, left brain style, both the creative and the production aspect of the show. So in features, if you're making a movie, it's the director who's doing both of those things. In TV, because you have so many scripts and so much story, it falls on the writer. And so I kind of, you know, as the showrunner, have to really coordinate with this entire team. And we have this awesome team at the top, including the guys here with us. But of course, Chris Pratt, Antoine Fuqua, um, excellent EPs uh, with Daniel Shattuck, John Schumacher, Really an incredible group of producers, Max Adams, who was with us uh, every step of the way. Um, but the showrunner is the person who stays with the show from the very first pitch of the, of the pilot script through to the completion, delivery, and marketing and publicity of the show. And it's a wild job. I, I recommend it for only the masochists out there. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta want pain. You gotta want pain. Um, it's a lot of hundred hour weeks, um, but it's a blast because you're a writer, you're a filmmaker, and you're a leader. And if you really like those um, different aspects of the creative process and the collaboration, it's an awesome job. But it's maybe 
like the the most multitasking job in the civilian workforce. Let's say that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fascinating because, because well, because uh, you certainly do all those things exceptionally well, and Thank the you. leadership part is really what has stood out to me uh, in our through every interaction, uh, seeing you on set, knowing you beforehand as we put these things together, running yeah. the rider, like all those things that you did, uh, and also knowing that people have lives over these well a couple of years, and some of them yeah. come in you know just for the the production side of it, and then some people are here just for certain parts, but yeah. you're there through everything. And you're yeah. leading all of those different groups of people who also have lives and things happening during that time frame. And it's, uh, I mean, I can't imagine this being in anybody else's hands. So uh, thank you for, for crushing this. Thank, thank you again. And, and you know, this is a, a really special situation. I'm so happy to be doing these podcasts with you and with Jared, because it's rare that a showrunner has a, a godfather like you, Jack, who's been with me really through all those steps. So I always have that ability to bounce what's coming at me off of you. But then also when Jared, you know, you've been with this from the beginning, there were times where we were kind of communicating through third parties. But the moment that we got to start to work together, I saw, you know, the same type of thing in you and really appreciate seeing that, you know, it takes um, somebody who really cares about the product and cares about the people who are making the product. I think to do the job the right way. And, uh, and that's something that I really appreciate with this group. So thank you guys. Yeah, no, yeah, and you I can tell. Yeah, oh, ahead, absolutely. It, it, um, it, you know, Jack, you hit on it, the leadership aspect of that. And we come from a community where leadership is such a big deal. And Dave, I've thanked you for that leadership a few times and I, I still don't feel like it's enough. Cause I've, I got to see that leadership firsthand. And like I said, in the community we come from, I've, I've been able to have that, but to see the way that you managed every aspect of this production down to the personal lives, like Jack was saying, man, there's so much in that. And, and my level of respect for you was high, but really grew seeing that and how you handled it, you know, and, and, and Jack, you're always so kind to say this project wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for me. And i Always got to say, like, it wouldn't have happened if it wouldn't have been for you and the man you were in 2013 and the way you treated me, the book that you wrote, and then people like Dave, you know, stepping up and, and making it happen. So it's just truly a, a blessing all the way around to be a part and, and work with you fellows on it. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, Big hopefully, time, hopefully man. we keep it going. Uh, yes, and for those go. just joining let's us, if, if, uh, <laughs> if you're just joining us for this episode and uh, for the first time, and Jared looks familiar, that's because he plays Boozer on the show and is also a technical advisor and a producer and a whole lot more that uh, that doesn't 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 follow after after his name officially, but. He has done so much and put so much of his time, energy, and effort into this thing. And this whole team, like, it was personal for everybody. Yeah. Like, it wasn't just a, just a job for anybody coming on this set. Um, and, and I include th that ent entire cast and crew. At yeah. least that's what it felt like uh, to me. It was personal to everybody in, yep. uh, in some way, shape, or form. And that made it all so, so special. Um, this one, 107, Extinction. Uh, this, we have a lot, I mean... There's something I love about every single one, but I don't know. This one might have most, I mean, more of my favorites. If I was to add them all up, I'm not sure. I'd have to go through yeah. and do a little tick yeah. marks. But yeah. this one, episode seven, second to last episode, coming into that home stretch, sprinting towards that finale. This one, it certainly has, I think, the largest number of memorable lines. 
that Ooh, really yeah. stand out. There's yes. quite a few in here. Yes. Uh, from I Am Justice, Stay Off My List, of course, yeah. you know, that's on all the all the trailers, but yeah. David or Goliath uh, is, Ooh, is in David. here. Yeah. Um, yep. there's, uh, there's so many great lines in here. But um, let's kick this thing off. So we have our director, uh, Fred, who's the, it's his second time. Yes. Fred's now, back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fred, Fred is Fred back. Toy back in the back in the saddle. Incredible uh, partner for this show. Um, again, you know those who heard us in one of four. Fred has directed on some of the biggest shows imaginable. Uh, he's a key player, specifically on the Boys, uh, another Amazon family show. There, not that it's a family show, but in the Amazon family, and <laughs> um, and we were so stoked to get a guy like Fred because. Fred's not just an awesome director, he's an incredible producer. So Fred really helped us navigate what is maybe the trickiest moment as you get through the season. We talked about how big 106 was, but when you get into 107 and 108, you're in your final run. You're always, any show is going to be, you know, really careful on the financial side at this point, but you want the biggest, baddest product you can possibly put on screen. And a little note to those out there who may be listening, who want to end up in a writer's room one day. If you find yourself in a writer's room, the episode that you actually want to write, it's not the pilot and it's not the finale. It's the penultimate episode. Mm. That's the, that's the one to go for. And we were really lucky to put Brooke Roberts into this uh, slot. She's one of our veterans turned writers. She's an incredible writer. We um, got her actually, she had been kind of living in the broadcast world, which is, you know, kind of broadcast TV world. Uh, I think living in the kind of CSIs and NCISs of the world, but she really wanted to do something darker, really wanted to do something darker. She she has an NSA background, um, uh, language background, really fascinating. Um, her uh, father, I think, was also also served in her grandfather. So multi-generational. And she was the one who had the idea to tell a kind of non-linear story mm-hmm. for this penultimate episode, which I thought was so cool because we're dealing with a character who's you know got conflation, timelines are tripping up on each other. And how cool to introduce a non-linear structure in this episode. So we start at that point of Reese coming back to his house and he has that memory of that first moment that he and Lauren walked in and, and, and had this house as their own. And then he's pulled out of that by this watch and this thematic of time is a big theme in this episode. And then that pulls us back to the beginning of this day and off we go. But I loved what Brooke brought to the table with this notion of, hey, man, we're we're dealing with a character who is struggling right now with the brain tumor, really struggling. He's got something that's tamping down the physical symptoms. And it's important for people. I've noticed some fans aren't quite hearing everything that the doctor is telling them in 104, right, that that this tumor is treatable if you stop down for six to nine months. Right. Mm. Um, but he does have these pills to treat the symptoms and that's all he's treating, right? That's all he's treating those kind of physical symptoms, but mentally and emotionally, 
this is Reese in a tough place, right? And whew, our boy Chris, this is an incredible episode for him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely incredible. It is. This one grabs and doesn't let go. And you have uh, opening those doors into the tunnels again. And there's Jared yelling on the, yeah. on the I mean, <laughs> awesome. Uh, and I love, by the way, if you go to Amazon and you go down and hit those, you know, like all the people, they have a little circle and it's like Chris Pratt, you know, Constance Wu. Yeah. Uh, and you, you scroll, scroll along. Bam. There's Jared Shaw right there. He has his own little circle. It's yes. awesome. I love it. I did it last night. I went down there just, just to yes. go find you. It was awesome. Nice. Yeah, I, I, I did it right away. I did it like the first day, but I watched it two again last night, both yeah. these last two episodes again last night to kind of refresh everything before we jumped on today. And I did it again. I went, oh man, it's so awesome. Wow. Yeah. And I think they grabbed a photo of you from the premiere. I think they put a, uh, a photo up from the premiere. Well, I don't think it was like oh, that nice. the first time I looked. It was, I, uh, I think they had a, they had the one that's like your, um, your headshot was up there, I think. And then now yeah. it's from the premiere. They're the background. Oh, wow. It says like, it's a blue background. Gotcha. That's cool. I need to check yeah. it out. I, last Looking time I sharp. saw it, yeah, it was the, the headshot. So maybe they did change it. Interesting. That's, that's yeah. interesting. It looks good. It looks good. Good. Um, but yeah, so we're in the, in the house and Reese is going, opening the doors and the tunnels. I mean, I, I think the way that, uh, that, yeah, the writers and you guys put this thing together was just, it's next level. This mm-hmm. thing is next level. This just really like makes our show stand out from anything else out there. I mean, you know, all the way through, but this is kind of where it all comes together. Like this is a different show. I mean, you know that all the way along, but this whole thing, it, it, there's, there's no stops. It's awesome. And I love Chris in this one. And I love, you can see a little, you see some of that likable. Cause you're in this episode also, you might need to forgive him for a little something. You might have to. Um, as a the big, book, I, yeah. yeah. So yeah. in the book, I can leave it a little bit and let it leave it up to people's imaginations a little bit. But, yep. and we do that here as well um, with, uh, with Taylor as Ben Edwards um, doing some of that dirty work. But uh, I love when they're going through that house and, uh, uh, and Lauren's like, I'm pregnant. And, he, and he's like, from that kiss just there? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Chris, it's fantastic. That's like, to Chris human on the yeah, day right like, there. That's Chris on, oh, on the day. Oh, it was on the day? Yeah, yeah no that's way. on the day, dude. It's so, mm-hmm. I mean, and that's the thing, you know, Again, you have Chris, you have Riley, right? You have these movie stars who are stepping into Cinevision. And they're so natural in the moment. And everything that that they as that I find with like the next level actors is truly it's so genuine. That's the thing. And it comes out of a genuine place of real care and love and support for each other as an ensemble and you can carry that into these scenes. And and so you really see this connection between them yeah. in that moment. Yeah. And fantastic. then, you know, it kind of starts you down the rabbit hole, right? Because we're doing all kinds of tricks in the camera with this. This was one that was really cool. Um, and a big hat tip here to uh, uh, Dan Shattuck who produced this episode he worked really hard on this sequence with Fred Toy because um, we were also filming the finale as this is being filmed. It's re- it was that crazy at this point. And um, they had this thing worked out where they removed the wall between the bathroom and the set and the closet in the set. And so Lauren is able to kind of disappear off screen, move through the set and then come back out fully changed into a new wardrobe in a different section of memory. He's just jumped. His mind has jumped, right? And then she disappears 
in the rain starts outside. And that rain, which we talked about, Antoine brought that rain into the Starlink inflation. Wow. Just like just awesome. At that point, you know. And then we have Ruth's score slowing mm. down. Oh, yeah. The score, the music. You can. It, yeah, I was Lauren, thinking about that as I was yes. watching last night, like how different it would be if maybe somebody else scored it or if it wasn't quite right. But this is just I mean, you're right there with it. Yeah. Yeah, we're working on on getting a soundtrack out. The fans should know that. I think. Um, oh, nice! It, it would uh, the the response to the music has been uh, really incredible online, and and um, I'm really really excited about it. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I sent you all that text the other day. Remember the the song at the end? There's people yes. people are creating entire videos with yeah. that song and the beginning song trigger. You know, they're the the first and the last song people are are uh creating entire songs and or, or videos and you know and it's cool to i mean hundreds of thousands of people have viewed these these videos that they're using the song and then they're putting their spin on whatever they want to do in the video and that that to me was was a bit of an eye-opening yeah deal seeing just kind of the fan reactions with Dave, like you said, just the music you know and how how yes. that's resonating with people just really really yes. cool to see. Yeah, and big again. Hat tip, you know, on not just the score with Ruth Barrett, but the um, needle drop selection. That's mm-hmm. Kevin Edelman, our um, music supervisor. That's the role who um, mm-hmm. brings that ingredient into mm-hmm. the mix. Uh, the process there. I can't remember if we touched upon it, but it's really a cool process where he will send these uh, different ideas uh, to the editor, uh, and actually, he'll send it first as as like a Dropbox link with let's say 15 choices and i'll listen to those uh or if it's antoine's episode antoine will listen to those and then we'll uh select uh maybe four choices and we'll send those to the editors and the editors will cut those in and then you get those clips back with the four choices laid in and you get to see how the song really marries to the picture and that you know this is one for for episode eight but certainly that final song was a big a big mm-hmm. topic and and we'll i guess we'll touch upon that when we get there but the music again in this show i think because one it's true to the character we have that wonderful outlaw country influence in our needle drops which i love and then we have other sounds, bin sound, etc. But then I think what's connecting with people on Rue's score is it's very psychological. It's a very psychological sound. It's got multiple layers. And she, with this kind of synth percussion work that she does, she gets into something really primal, mm-hmm. really primal. And so whether it's the, the big set pieces where Reese is, you know, sending Captain Howard in with a, uh, a, a, a vest, right? Whether it's a big set piece like that, or it's this emotional moment of moving through the memories you have in your old house of the wife and child that you lost. She just takes you into Reese's head in a way that few composers can do. 
Yeah, yep. no, it's incredible. And is this is this episode? It's not the highest body count, but is it the highest body count? Oh, I think it's the, the most list? names on the list. Uh, yeah, most yes. names on the list. Yeah, yeah, one, which is which is wonderful. Yeah, and that's I <laughs> want to start read. racking them up. Start stacking them up. Them. You said so that. You know I like that. <laughs> yeah, you said that as we finished six. I, I, it's so true, you know, because six we went through that. It's the one episode where you can't kill anyone, but then in, that means in seven. It's the war Make up for lost trio. time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's where we go right next. Then we go to that, the Warcom trio in that, uh, in that scene in Admiral Pillar's office and Cox is in there and uh, Lamont, everybody does such a great, and those guys are incredible great. together. I mean, great. every single one of them knocks it out of the park. They are um, great. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it, yeah. And Howard, I love Howard. He's, I mean, for people who have seen, uh, um, what's, uh, What's this one in Pennsylvania where he plays the Banshee? Uh, yes, Banshee. Banshee. Gosh, she's so great. Yeah. Uh, when I saw that he was in this, I was so fired up. Uh, I was like, no way. It's the guy from Banshee. Yeah. Uh, and I think That's, I mentioned that fight scene. We, we talked about you that did. fight scene in you Banshee. Sent, yeah, you sent me I, I early sent on. Some, very early, yeah. Early on, you said, this is an inc- one of the best fight scenes I've seen on TV. Yeah. Um, can this be the bar? That's kind of yeah. what you said. Can, we, can this said, be I the wanna, bar yeah, that right. we have to pass? Like I want people, not as far as like technicality, but as far yes. as like people were talking about this yes. the next day. Yep. And I want to remember from the very beginning, I was like, I would, with, we need something in every episode that people are going to talk about uh, on the modern day version of the water cooler, which is social yep. media, the next yes. day and saying, I cannot believe that they did this. Um, and that's what I sent you over as one of those examples is that fight exactly scene. Right. people at Banshee were talk, talking about that the next day. That's that exactly fight scene right. Through the car, through the windows, up and around, all around this one vehicle, which is pretty... It's amazing. And that show, I, I've talked to to um, people who worked on that show. I think actually Gwen Shavelsky, our post-producer, uh, had worked on that show. Um, pretty, uh, pretty low budget for what they pulled off. Mm. And it's remarkable. And it's something that audiences don't often take into account. But when you're inside the business and you see something like that and get a sense of the numbers and days that they had to film it, mm-hmm. uh, just remarkable. You know, then and we touched on that with 105, like all of the stuff that we were able to pull off in that one day downtown. That's that that's another level. And I love the feature side. I love it. But the um, certainly the TV side, when you have an incredible crew and cast just, you know, redlined and, and ready, you get some awesome stuff. Yeah. Oh, man, it's incredible. Uh, gosh, and there's so much in this thing. I don't even. Yeah, those guys are incredible together. Those three, uh, of course, Hartley then flying in, labeling James Reese a domestic terrorist. We have that uh, in there. We get the FBI field office. I mean, everybody. I mean, everybody gets screen time in here. Everybody's knocking it out of the park in every single episode. Um, yeah, Admiral Pillar. That's more of a Langley question. I love that. <laughs> I mean, little hints. You know. Yeah. We're giving little hints. Little and hints. For people who haven't read the book, I mean, yep. some people are shocked about how we end up in in eight, even with these yep. little little hints along the way. Yeah, but, we uh, have these. We have these really specific breadcrumbs, and that one in particular is a big deal. And and the Hartley storylines a really interesting one here in seven. Right, mm-hmm. we have um, this scene that's almost right out of the book in terms of the Hartley press conference mm-hmm. labeling Reese this domestic terrorist. But in the series, we don't yet know where she lies. Yeah. And this is going to be the moment that we reveal her over the course of this 
episode. And that was one of the trickiest, I think, kind of needles to thread in the writing process. I think both Gene and Taylor do an incredible job of playing the gray areas with their characters. And so you really, if, if you don't know the books, you are in the place of wondering, right? Wonder and intrigue are pulling you forward with those characters. Yeah. And this time we have different characters kind of do different things, but they're the same things as in the book or similar to the book uh, as far as the, uh, the S vest, the suicide vest walking yes. in. So different character, but it's, so it's for people. So I love that we're playing with conflation with people who have read the book also and now seeing the show and now, which was, wait, was that, wait a second, was somebody different in the book? Hold on. Let me go back and, and check. So I, I think that is all fantastic. How all that, uh, how, how all that plays out and a little, you know, nods to, to the book uh, and to the, to hundred percent. We knew for sure that the S vest kill was going in the show, but it became a big question of how it was going to happen. It was, I think as we were breaking the season arc, maybe the second time, because we broke it multiple times, uh, where we realized, Oh wait, here, here we go. Cause we had, we knew Tedesco was going to end up part of this horn crazy episode five. And so that's Tedesco's death from the book. And what we got really excited about was, can we use it as a way to break down Pillar's defenses in what you think, especially, again, if you haven't read the book, like you get to the top of this episode and you see that Warcom trio in, in there, Nick Chinlin, Matty Roush, LaMonica Garrett, having that discussion about tactical retrograde. I'm not moving to Cameroon for James fucking Reese. <laughs> like so great. all that yeah. stuff, right? And, and and I love Nick. I mean, this is why you have Nick in this role is you just know he has that pride, that Admiral's pride, right? And this is from the book. You have the I love me wall. You know, we get to feature it photos in this on episode. that wall. <laughs> yeah. Some great photos on there, but you have a guy. Yeah, it's just you have a guy and you see it in that first scene who is making the the gravest mistake, which is to underestimate Reese. And Reese gets that idea to use one of the conspirators to kill another. And and then what I really enjoy about that kind of storyline of the S-Fest is, is that moment with the two of them in the Ben safe house. Mm-hmm. And you have that, that real like brother to brother discussion, another Easter egg as well on the Ben side, right? They brought me into this, right? That's what mm-hmm. Taylor's line in that scene. And then, and Reese is working the sewing machine. This is a real thing. Right. The seals know how to freaking repair what they have to repair. Like especially guys, back in the day, you yeah. know, these little older. So back in the day, you had to, you know, as we went yeah. along, you got a lot better gear. But back in the day, you had to make it. Mm-hmm. And typically, it's your uh, parachute rigger who yeah. is the guy that uh, that really knows what they're doing. And yeah. uh, they make made a bunch of gear. So I had, uh, you know, I had Reese know how to use a, a sewing machine. I thought and, it was wicked. Book. Yeah, I think it's so wicked. So <laughs> we, we, we kept that detail. Some people hit on us. For that, which I thought was crazy. It's oh, like, really? I like, didn't yeah, see it's that. Authentic, authenticity. It's it's yeah. it's authentic. 
But that moment at the end of the scene where he stands up and puts it on. And I think for for a lot of the audience, they're going, wait a second. Is he going to go kill these guys? Is, is he going to do, is this how he's going to take them out? Interesting. Yeah. And just to have that little misdirect in about a third of the way into the episode, it was one of those moments where I, I go, oh, okay, this episode, this is special. This is why you want to write the penultimate episode. All of these storylines that you've been setting up, they actually really all come together in the second to last episode. And you tie off a bunch of them in that episode and then leave the big dogs for the for the finale. But that's yeah. why these you look at all your favorite shows and it's a pattern that'll fit. Uh, the yeah. second to last episode is usually awesome for that reason. Yeah. And even that, that scene, Dave, you're talking about in Ben's yeah. safe house when Reese is putting on the S vest and, you know, trying it on and Ben even looks at him and is like, brother, you, you sure you want to do this? You know? Yeah. And, and, and it really gets the audience thinking, like you said, Dave, like, well, okay, what, what's about, is he about to go clack himself off? Is this, yeah. you know, is he prepping for the finale? And they know that the eighth episode is the last one. And they're like, man, is he, is this, no, this yeah. can't be how this thing ends. If they haven't read the book, they have no idea, you know? So that was just a great, just a, a, a just emotionally, it kind of rocks you, kind of makes you, you know, and you, but then you see Ben's heart in that as well. Again, you see yeah. Ben's heart and Ben's love for his brother, you know, yes. and, and that's displayed through the entire show, but you see it again in, yeah. in that moment, you know, and once again, Taylor just, just crushes it as usual. <sighs> Yeah, yeah. And Jared, were you there on set that day making the uh, making the S vest? And was Ray there? How did how did that work? Yeah, yeah. We were, and that was once again Gary. Um, you, you know, constructing that, and and then we Gary kinda, tours. Yep, Gary tours. Stream props. Yeah, nice. as usual, just killing it. But constructing it, working with him on it. You know, just kind of getting the placement of everything correct, the blasting caps correct, and and you know, just setting it up and. And, you know, just having it in a way that the operators will look at that with, without it having, you know, the claymores in there and be like, oh, okay, I, I see that this is this is an S-Fest, something's going on. But the normal person kind of look at it and it just kind of looks like a bundle of just straps and wires and everything. And they can figure it out and put it together. But once you see it, when it's put together, you're like, oh, this is, this is, this is done right. This is done well. Yeah, like all the explosive stuff in the books. Like we got close. Yeah. You know, yeah. you don't exactly, if you, you know, yeah. you don't know exactly, but that, I mean, that's a, I mean, a real thing. I, yeah. It, you guys, I mean, an amazing job. Yeah. I love that we show things so close uh, in this. Um, just well, this was, again. this was a big episode. Yeah. For authenticity influencing creative. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and later in the process, too, uh, the, the S vest was not originally written that way. Um, Jared, I can't remember. I think it was you who brought up the notion or Ray, but, but the notion of using the claymores as, as the explosive on the S vest that came from, from you guys. Yeah. And then, and then the biggest one is, is in, uh, not to jump ahead, but I think it's on, on topic here is, um, the Cox kill. 
Mm. Uh, yeah, we got to get to that, to, yeah. to Jared's part in that. Yeah. It was oh. definitely a little different. But before we get to that, yeah. getting Cox, he's in the bar. I mm. picture it as a certain seal bar in Coronado. Yeah. Uh, we put a different one than I picture in my head outside. So we throw Coronado Brewing Company up there, yeah. uh, which is more of a family-friendly establishment, going back to the family-friendliness. Uh, but I love that we put Coronado Brewing Company in there. In real life, it's a you know a, a different, darker type of a bar, not quite as family-friendly, perhaps, yeah. um, but where team guys go. And uh, out into that parking lot, and he's watching UFC on the on the screen i love that uh the other screen has a little update on james reese yeah and then into the parking lot and even before we get to what happens to cox uh jared that this one uh like trying to figure out how exactly they're going to go go about this and how reese is going to take uh take cox down here uh what was the backstory on that one on, on how that uh, that fight scene evolved have you tried kansas city cattle company if not why not Get after it. Here we go. Kansas City Cattle Company. That's kccattlecompany.com. Check them out. Veteran owned and operated. Look at this right here. They have Wagyu beef flat iron steak. This is delicious. One of my favorites. All sorts of steaks. Don't have the fillets out here because I ate them all. Same thing with the tomahawks, which are incredible. And what else do we have? Wagyu beef bavette. I don't know if I'm staying that right, but the bavette, B-A-V-E-T-T-E steak, Highly recommended. Absolutely love this cut right here. If you haven't heard of this cut, go to that website, kccattlecompany.com. Check it out. And what is this one here? This is the Wagyu Beef Kansas City Strip Steak, also a favorite. And then the kids love burgers made with this stuff. So this is the Wagyu Beef right here. Amazing burgers with this. Uh, all sorts of stuff on that side. Here we go. Beef chorizo right here. But uh, go check them out for sure. Veteran owned and operated again. And that is kccattlecompany.com slash Jack Carr and use code Jack Carr 15. That's J-A-C-K-C-A-R-R 15. Check them out for sure. Veteran owned and operated. Love these guys. Awesome stuff. In fact, I am going to go fire up the smoker right now and throw something on. Thanks guys. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, what we had talked about is look at Look at Cox, LaMonica Garrett. You know, he's every bit of 6'4 and 240 pounds with no fat on him oh whatsoever. Oh, a beast. You know, about as intimidating of a human as you're going to get, you know. And so, you know, Jack, you know, like, we have to fight to win. And so when when Reese goes to, to fight, not only an adversary that big, but a trained adversary, you know, he's got to go with, with – holding the all four aces, you know, to, to win this one. And so that was really what we talked out amongst all of us, like, okay, how's this going to be done? And it also had to follow the theme of authenticity. It's not going to be a, a super smooth, just pretty fight. One guy throws one guy blocks, you know, no, it's yeah. a fight. It is a fight to win. And, and so that's what we try to capture. And, and once again, having Chris Romwell there and Keith Willard, you know, was, was great, but having Romwell there to, to, he took some shots. Ooh, in that he one. I mean, he's the one yeah. that, yeah, that there's a triangle choke that, Reese throws on Cox and then Cox lifts him up and slams him, which is what you would do if you're in a street fight and you get a triangle choke thrown on you, you're going to slam the guy. And, and Dave, remember we talked about it on the day and, and Romero was like, yeah, I'll, we were actually yeah. done. I think. And Dave, you were like, maybe we go try to get, what do you think? Could we try to get that? And Romero was like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. And so went out there and man, he took a slam and, and it just, it came out 
good because it looks real. Yeah. It doesn't, it, it just looks like a scrap that would be in a parking lot, you know, which then snaps his arm. And then we got to the point, Dave, of like, okay, now we got to transport this 6'4", 240 human pound being. He, we're not just going to, Reese isn't going to knock him out and he's going to stay knocked out for 20 minutes. So that's where, you know, the whole shot the came injection. in to, to sedate yep. him and put him under. Yep, exactly. And, it, yep. and the arm break, the arm bar into the arm break, that's another mm -hmm. um, wonderful example of our departments working together and improvising. Yep. Uh, it's actually really expensive and difficult um, to get a believable arm break uh, on on screen. And I think this is another one where we had special effects, props, and wardrobe all working together, of course, along with stunts, to make that happen. And dude, that thing feels very real. Yeah. Even last night I was watching, I was yeah. like, oh, oh yep. Yeah. Same. And in in, yep. in La Monica, you know, the moment actually this is an interesting story, I think, for for both this role and then also for um, Matt Roush, who plays uh, Howard. Um, I can't remember if it's the same with LaMonica, but I know with Roush, he actually, Roush had auditioned for the role of Holder. He had auditioned for the role of Holder. Mm. And we had a different look in mind for that role. And we saw in his audition he he did the if you remember in 102 the the final scene uh the the final interrogation of holder in 102 that was the audition piece for the holder character and roush's breath work in the scene was so like it just jumped out it was so real hmm. and we were thinking of howard in this scene at the end of seven and so oftentimes what informs casting is moments like that you just have as markers, foundational moments. Mm. And for the character of Cox, this fight in the parking lot, we wanted it to be this battle between giants. And so mm -hmm. LaMonica came in, he crushed his audition. I remember, I, 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 but, but the, um, the thing we were thinking about is these two giants battling out in this Coronado parking lot that it's just something you have to see. You want to see it. And and it's a, it's a very interesting thing when you're putting this together because there's a long road to get there, a long road to get there. So you have to see pieces that will fit and work on the rest of that road. But so much is often the final destination of where a character is going to land and somebody just an actor will just capture what you have in your head mm. when you're writing it or reading it or talking about it with the producers. And that happened with both of these actors. And also I would say with um, Nick Chinland uh, in terms of what we needed in this episode. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Agreed. These guys crushed even before it comes before this or not. But um, when uh, when Matt Roush, when Howard gets home 
and it's just so awkward. Like you're as a viewer, you're just like watching him yes. go into his family's house and pop his glasses down, and you're kind of like squirming almost because it's just so so mm-hmm. awkward yes. of an interaction uh, with his son and his wife, and then they're upstairs, and it's like you can totally imagine a a, a conversation exactly like that happening, and and then FBI's at the door, and we think because we've just come from another scene with the FBI, the FBI field office, that oh, it's uh, it's the FBI people, and then. Head comes up and you know there's Taylor Kitsch right there's moment. Ben Edwards yep. uh, going somewhere. Love you that know, moment. It's so good. And now we leave it up to the to the viewer to figure. You know, kind of like we leave that up to them to how he yes. goes about getting them to this next scene, which is similar to, to what I do in the in the book there. Um, but uh, then we go to this beach scene and it was different. And Jared saved the day again um, and came up with this idea, this teamwork, like. Yeah, I remember this whole process, Jared, and you like wouldn't let this thing go. And yeah. I'm so glad you wouldn't. You were just tenacious about it. And there was something that wasn't ringing true to you about the the uh, the first way it was. It written. was written. It was it was written that he was going to and... be buried, um, neck deep, in the sand, and the mm-hmm. tide was going to come up. That that's what and and it was I believe an idea that Max had with Brooke, and and. And so it kind of came from that in the writer's room. And then we got to it. And and Jared, do you remember that meeting where it had all mm-hmm. these, you know, department heads department there in this prep meeting and our visual effects supervisor played a clip from, I think, Creep Show, right? Yeah, I think so. And yeah. it just looked. From back, show, in, the back day. in the day, Creep show back in the day, Ted Danson who was buried. It was somebody famous who was buried neck deep in the sand. Like yeah, in, in the eighties, right? Creep show. He's like, okay, so I found a, an example of this, and he puts it up. You're all sitting around a big conference table. He puts it up, plays it, and we're like, well, that sucks. What are we gonna do? <laughs> yeah. And that's when Jared pitched this idea, and boom. Yeah. And that's what, you know, talking about watching that Ted Danson or whoever it was, you know, that version of it, that's, I kind of had my mind, Ray and I talked a little bit, you know, Dave, I think we'd even talked about it a little bit prior to that, but yeah, it just, it, it, it never felt yeah. right. It never felt right from beginning to end in that scene. <clears throat> I felt like we could do something more intimate to the teams and the brotherhood and, and really get across how deep of, of, of a hurt that, that Reese felt towards Cox, you know, and I didn't feel like we were, we were capturing that. And, you know, and then we watched that video with how it was done and creep show. And that's when I respectfully said, like, guys, look at what we're doing right now. We're watching a video of it being done on another show. And it was terrible. We can't, (laughs) And it was terrible, like, but like, like we're more creative than this. Come on, we can, we, yeah, we can beat this. And Dave, I remember saying, I just raised my hand and I said, Dave, can I throw a monkey wrench in this whole thing? And you said, absolutely, Jared, what are you thinking? And that's when we started talking about it, you, you know, and, and pulling something from the brotherhood from, which is, which is the training where we solidify that camaraderie and that bond between us, you know, and that, that training really forges that you know and then combat solidifies it but in that training that's where it begins that brotherhood really begins you know and and so that's where 
you, you know, the, the idea of like, Hey, that log, when you're carrying that log, you, you're doing it with your team. You yeah. have your, your team there. And so that moment, what was cool also was how much Chris understood it and LaMonica understood yeah. it, you know, and being on the beach. And I remember LaMonica, Dave, when we were explaining it to him, you know, he looked at me and he said, Jared Cox needs to have that moment of accountability. Yes. He needs to have that moment when Reese is talking to him and telling him like, where's your team, Bill? You left your team yeah. or you, you, you know, you killed your team and, and, and Cox just kind of nods. He doesn't yell. He doesn't scream. None of that. He just owns it. Yeah. And man, it was so powerful, you know, so powerful. And I've had quite a few people reach out about that yeah. scene, you, you know, the operators that were like, man, that was yeah. heavy. That was, there was, there was some emotion, emotion with that one. And so, yeah, I, I that one was cool. That one came out, that one came out well and it's just different it's not something that's ever been seen before no. and it'll be hard to, to replicate no, and it's and it, it's so character driven which is what i love and not only do we get that incredible scene but then out of the notion of the log and log pt that also gave us the transition mm -hmm. if you remember at the beginning that's of the right. episode as we jump mm -hmm. back in time we come mm -hmm. down off the sky and find the buds candidates doing log PT, doing exactly what you said, Jared. And again, Jack, this is what we always talk about, this visual storytelling medium, right? You just have to see them suffering together mm -hmm. to know that this episode is going to be about this notion of brotherhood, those who live it and those who betrayed it. And... I really love one one other moment to point out in LaMonica's performance, because I think what you just brought up there, Jared, that kind of notion of accountability, self-acceptance, like the setup for that moment is LaMonica at the bar. That is some incredible mm -hmm. acting going on mm -hmm. as he's getting that drink, looking at the fight. We, have, we actually you know, got a little piece of a fight mm -hmm. to license is a little foreshadowing, but then, you know, seeing the Reese footage in, and there's this kind of acceptance that is starting to happen there. And then you hear it in his voice with, well, how's this going to go then? And then he's going to fight because if he can win that fight, then he deserves to keep fighting. Right. Absolutely. But he loses and he wakes up strapped to that log and whew, that's another one of those scenes you just are so thankful that you're there that day to witness two actors at the top of their game director camera cameraman um oh god was it who was operating that day i, I think it's just one of our cameramen all, like didn't almost drown but he he was crushed evans brown our dp yeah. actually ended up operating on this it's so hard to film mm -hmm. out in the surf. And we didn't even have that big a surf that moment, but it's, it takes so much out of the crew. And everybody's out there on that beach putting in the work and you end up with an awesome, awesome mm -hmm. scene. Yeah. Yeah, man. it is. And Chris's voice, the way he says, he's, he's saying, you know, it's almost like, you know, it's, there's a, he's un unbelievable and he's disappointed 
but Matt, but he yet understands and he's doing what he's got to do. Like it's all these mm. things all in like these few sentences that he does. And it's amazing. I was, I was watching it last night. I was, again, I was just like blown away by, uh, yeah. And then, and then, um, and then when you have, uh, Cox say, you know, we do this for 20 years and at the end, all you get is a paddle and whatever. And Reese says you had the brotherhood. That's what you got. You know, and there was so much power in that, him saying that. And, and, Big time. you know, like I said, just that moment when it was taking place, you could feel it from both of them. They were in it and they were, that's where the, the operators would see that and, or did see that. And they were like, yeah, no, these guys, these guys understood the moment that was happening. These guys understood what was taking place in that moment, you know, and yeah. Dave, once again, just, that, it, you know, all the appreciation to you and in that room, you, you know, as you always are, best idea wins, you know, and you, you just once again speaks to your leadership of saying, yeah, let's, let's, let's see what we got here. Let's see if we can make this work. And so I, I, I appreciate you willing to take a risk on that and, and letting that, letting that play out. Oh Yeah. We could have lost. We could have lost the whole show right there with Ted dancing. We have people putting I've memes up before. on our show, the creep I've show. Seen this. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, everybody can do it. Oh, you know? Jeez. But uh, Jared, that was a Big great time. save. Uh, thank so you. thank you. And then you came up with the whole like. I remember you texting me and we're talking about it. You're like, how would we strap it and all that? And you came up with all like all that. How would you keep the weight there and strap it to him and yeah. and the whole thing? Like you really worked all yeah. that out. Yeah. So, yeah. And I, um, I incredible. Yeah. And I by no means can take full credit for that nor will I Ray Mendoza as you usual you know was was in on on that and helping me figure out you know how would we strap the hands you know strap them go over the log over the neck with not enough slack to to be able to release either hands or the neck you know and and just kind of set it up and played yep. with it and it worked and it worked and it and it was cool too to jump forward just a little bit when Reese goes to to uh to the family and they're sitting in front of the vehicles. And if you look, a lot of people won't notice this, but there's another log. Dave, remember we staged another log with a set of straps there to where they, they saw what just happened to Cox. And if you look over, you'll see another log set up there with the straps to where they see that log and they know what's going to happen if, if they don't play by the rules, you know, which is, yeah. And that's, that, that is a heavy, heavy moment. And, um, Mm -hmm. You know, people might not know this, but uh, Renata, um, who who plays Howard's wife, is actually Matt Rausch's wife. They're one of those incredibly talented couples. Both are amazing actors based out of New York. And early on, uh, I think shooting the pilot, Jared, uh, we knew that we needed to cast Howard's wife. We knew that we had this Mm -hmm. massive scene that would be coming down the pike and we needed bonkers emotion coming out of both of them. And I, you know, really like if you can do it to, to actually cast the real, the real thing. Right. And, and when Matt told me that his wife Renata was an actress, I said, all right, you got to get her tape. And, 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 you know, we're never going to just say, oh, she's cast. We say, we need to see her tape. Um, mm-hmm. She read for the role, but it was immediate. We just all saw, oh, yeah, this is going to be great. 
and what they yeah. do on that beach she in that is. moment, along with um, Connor, uh, Connor Sherry, who plays uh, TJ, the son. That's no Great. joke. And Chris mm-hmm. and Chris. And, That's right. Like, yeah. And having that scene in the beginning also, you know, helps so much now because now you're going to maybe if you're depending on who you are, I think the uh, the operators watching are like, yep. But like <laughs> regular people, like might have to uh, yeah. forgive Reese a little bit. Um, and, uh, and and having that early scene with the yeah. joking in there, and then having the having him walk into the house, and almost every every team guy in the world has walked into a, a new place before and been like, "Yeah, Gun safe right here, platoon flax yeah. here, boom." And every team guy wife has been like, <laughs> you know, uh, garage or whatever, you know. I love uh, that. So it's like that speaks to everybody who's been in any sort of special yeah. operations unit uh, in that. But then we get to this scene, and uh, yeah, you can ask maybe forgive yeah. Reese a little bit for uh, for what he's doing, but it's that revenge yes. without constraint, and uh, it, and and we get it, yeah, we get it. But still, people who haven't read the book don't know; they don't know quite yet. Yeah, maybe we have put they together. Yeah, what is this yeah. thing? What is this thing that's going on that, uh, that uh, James? Yeah, Reese I haven't, is asking, I haven't asked um, Howard to do people who haven't read the book. I've only talked to book fans about this, but I'd be curious to know at what point do they know that Howard's wearing the vest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, is it right here? I'm not sure. Cause you gotta pay attention. Like you, this is yeah. a thinking man's show. A thinking person. We said, show. we said, yeah. Um, like yep. you gotta pay attention. Like you can't, people are telling me, sometimes people text me and they're like, Oh, I'm going to watch it on my flight from A to Z. Yeah. Uh, no, you're not. I'm like, don't watch it there. Wait till you're in front of the biggest yep. TV you can be in front of. Yep. Make sure it's all dark. And uh, and watch it with the best mm-hmm. sound on the biggest TV. Mm-hmm. Or they're like, I'm going to watch it on my phone as we're you know driving. Nope, do not watch yeah. this on your phone. Yeah. Um, you yeah. have to pay attention, and you have to. This is, you know, our viewers are they really uh, are our next level because they no, got to lo- pay attention. I love that. Mm-hmm. You got to pay attention. I love it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're going to miss some key elements if you're not actively engaged. Like, can't do this at the same time. You're scrolling on something else. You know, you have to you have to be there to put the phone away. You got to be watching and uh, I, boom, you that, know, get into I it. I think it's another part of the operator culture that came into the show, which is oftentimes in Hollywood, we will spell everything out for, for the audience. Mm. It's just, it's, it's a, will often be a big fear um, that happens, which is if the audience doesn't know immediately what something is, they'll disengage. But this mm. was something that came, Max was really big on this, but I also know, Jared, we've talked about it. Jack, we've talked about it, mm-hmm. which is actually the audience is smart. And if they're engaged, respect them, they'll go find the answer. So you don't have to spell mm-hmm. out what QRF is. They can look it up. That's right. Mm-hmm. Right. And or the or context, the context. Yep. you know, you're, you're bright yeah. enough to figure this out uh, yep. via the context. Uh, yeah. the same thing in publishing, you know, that's, uh, uh, it's same thing in publishing, but you got to respect your readers, yeah. respect your audience. Um, and, uh, and if you don't, you do spell it out. It's almost, you know, it's almost disrespecting their, uh, yeah. level of intellect, um, or their ability, um, to think things through yeah. or observe or uh, yeah, enjoy the, the, the notion of mutual um, respect, you know, which is so big in the community, I think became kind of part of our ethos as well, not just in terms of how we worked on set, but when we would get to big questions. Now, you can't really have confusion, right? Confusion and overt confusion can be tricky, but complexity with context, that's a very cool recipe. Yeah. 
because that's pulling you oh, sure. in and pulling you <laughs> forward and you want to learn the thing that that you might not know yeah yeah, Memento, yes. Usual Suspects, yes. and some great films out there. You know, they require a bit yep. of a bit of work, and then yes. a rewatch. That's, in many that's cases. what I was going to say. Uh, I, I think that's why we have such our Terminalist has such high rewatch numbers. Yeah. I think it's because people binge it right in the beginning, yeah. and I was guilty of it. Binged it, you know, having seen it as many times as we yep. have. Once it came out, I binged it, but then I re- went back and rewatched yeah. it, and I and I have so many people telling me that, and I, I believe the numbers from what I hear reflect yes. that as well. Is the, the rewatch is high on this yep. one for that reason people are going back to find find new things yep. and i'm finding new things in it you know when i go oh back i know i'm finding watch, new things which is crazy this podcast i'll go back yeah. and watch uh, some things and, yeah. and learn new things uh I, lo- I love that part of it yep. you know it's so much it's so much fun uh and in this scene in particular do you guys remember was this hard for chris to do just personally i mean dragging a kid towards the water to to drown him and and uh, put his parents in a position to uh, save their only child and then do what he needs to do strap on an s vest and go to like was that hard personally to do for him to do because i wasn't there this day yeah i think there was there there was a couple scenes in this entire filming process that were hard for chris and this was one of them you know that we ended up this one and another one for sure we ended up just kind of hanging out for a bit afterwards mm-hmm. in his, in his, his trailer and just kind of talking, you know, cause Chris, we know Chris, Chris is a good hearted, genuine, humble dude. Yeah. And so he has to go to a different place and the guy loves kids, yeah. you know, he has two, three kids now of his own, you know, he's, a, he's just a good hearted man. And so this was, he had to go to a different place to, to, to be in the mindset and the emotional space for this role or for this scene, you know? And so, yeah, yeah, Jack, he, he had to decompress from this one a little bit before he went home and, and kind of, kind of get himself out of it. You know, it it took a bit of a emotional toll. Yeah. Takes a toll. And he's thinking, you know, it's so, uh, again, the, the thing that is remarkable is having to be the number one and he's an EP. So as he's going through all of that, uh, you know, laying down this incredible performance and, and, and paying the price for it, because it does, as Jared says, does stay with you. He's then got to put on his producer hat and look at photos for the finale and the Hartley estate. And this is what we're picking. We think it's going to work. What are you thinking? It's just so like it asks a lot asks a lot but you know again this one for me between that scene those scenes in the house with the conflation run i think this is the one when we say this is a chris pratt you've never seen this is that episode Mm -hmm. in in a big way absolutely yeah yeah. Yeah. No, I feel, no doubt about I feel it. like he shifted a bit in this one, you, you know, reset yeah. and uh, we've seen everything he's done. Sicario raid, which obviously was a dark one. And he went, he went heavy on that one. But I, I feel like this episode, there was even more of a shift in Reese and kind of the, the turn he had to make to, to go to this level, grabbing the kid, pulling him. And, you know, I, I had a friend of mine reach out. We talk about people, not sure if they want to be on Reese's side during this part. I had a friend of mine that's got a couple kids and she was this, this scene bothered her this, you know, a, kind of against Reese in a way she was more team Howard 
during that scene when when they're on the beach you know and and that's dave i think that's brilliant and how that was done and written to you know kind of get that exact reaction from from people jack like you said the operators are like yeah well you mess with the wrong dude sorry you know and, and there's not a whole lot of forgiveness whereas some other people civilians or, or just people in general are like well i this one kind of hurts me. I don't know that I can get behind mm-hmm. this. I don't know that I'm okay with this, you know, and I think that is exactly Dave, what you were looking to accomplish storyline with this. And I think, I think you nailed it. hundred percent. And then, you know, this is something from the book. He's confronted multiple times in the book with these moments of, will I have to do this is the question mark. And, and we thought about, is there a scene that can capture those moments? You know, the, the, one of the great moments is, is the, the road stop when he's with Liz in the book. And, mm-hmm. and, and this cop has come up, um, you know, and, and you, you play it out in his head, Jack. You play it out in his head. And so, so we, we yeah. thought about this in the room of how can we have that moment where it plays out? on screen. And I think the the real question that people should take away from it or debate is would he have gone through with it, right? That's the that's the great question. And these are the yeah. things mm-hmm. that when you have yep. a character with revenge without constraint that are real questions mm-hmm. that you ask. But there's another, mm-hmm. you know, take on it which is well he did exactly what he had to do. To get Howard to say yes, right? Yep. And and Howard says yes. And whew. yeah, imagine though, though I, you know I thought about this as I, I think about this as I write yeah. all the books because it's uh, you know it's very I shouldn't say easy I hate the word but um, to make it make it comfortable yeah. for everyone make it yeah. uh, how I'm going to make yep. this comfortable to most yep. people and to do those things and then that's a book that you've yep. already read a hundred times um, but it's not it's not real and you don't remember it because it blends into all these other ones. Um, but you have something like this, what you accomplished by showing this scene, uh, and making us question and having some people be uncomfortable with it. Uh, well that's, that's life and that's memorable as well. So you're making people uncomfortable. And I say that at the beginning of the the latest book in the preface, I, I say something along the lines of, you know, James Reese makes some people uncomfortable. Um, and, uh, this is one of those, those moments. one of those scenes. Yeah. Um, no, it's yeah. Cool. And, uh, and, and you guys, you guys got it. And there's an interaction there after this with, uh, with Ben and, uh, and James Reese and going, going yeah. home. What? Gotta, yep. gotta see him, you know? And, uh, and then here we go. We're back. We're back. And yeah. In the, in yeah. The and then, you know, in between we've got this storyline, which I think is really cool in terms of the other side of vengeance, right? You have accountability and this question of justice and you have these mm-hmm. two characters, Tony Leone and Katie Burnick, who are now coming together, trying to join forces because they realize, well, wait, Reese is not the only bad guy here, right? Katie has known this for a while, but Tony now figures this out in this episode. And what does he do? He realizes, well, Katie's story 
might become the only way to pull Reese back. If you can get that out, get that thing published, make a scene and a sensation out of this, because it would be, I mean, let's be honest, whoa, right? And then maybe you take these people off the table, you take them off the table before Reese does. And so that chess game that's going on between them in the FBI field office during this. Oh, I just, I love watching those two work together. Mm-hmm. And that you, you, you mentioned yeah. that David versus Goliath, which one's Reese line. That scene is one of my favorite scenes in the whole season. Cause yeah. Constance and JD, they're just in it. And Fred is really yeah. a wonderful director uh, for actors. He really lets them live in it, kind of find it, find the the comfort the comfort zone, but also then just push them, just push them. And that scene mm-hmm. is excellent. So good. Oh no, that's great. Which one is which one is Reese, David or Goliath? Yeah, still working that out. Yeah, I like I tell you that this has great. And the earlier when she when she's talking to Reese on the phone in the car, and uh, and uh, what do they say? She says, "You're not at war. You're at home." There's a difference, Reese, and uh, he says yeah. nothing more. Mm. I love it. Yeah, I mean this line. This one has some it memorable really lines. Uh, yeah, to include another one that's coming up. But we have uh, we have Howard now pulling into the parking lot once again. The music pulling into that parking lot, walking in, and uh, you know I'm thinking of it uh, as I wrote it with yep. another character doing yep. it in the book, but now. It's, I mean, it's so great. I love all the changes. That's why I think you, you took this foundation and you made this yeah. thing better and you made it visually, you told the story visually and I just absolutely love it. And I love him, you know, getting out of that car and then going in and you have the admiral's aid right there and, you know, I'll finish this up. And, and, uh, Nick is just a, such so a great good. job of that being the admiral. Like he's like, what? like <laughs> here's this Howard standing there and it's his body language of, uh, you know, Nick's the admiral's body language is like, he's like, what you know whatever he says yeah. you know the way he says it is so fantastic um and then the phone ringing and, and handing it's over the you, phone sir. having oh traitor you know it is it's just traitor on the phone you know on the second one and their little conversation and the way nick plays mm. that whole thing explosion mm. is great like the, mm. all of that and know, and we have just, that moment and yeah. this is you know one of the interesting things is you you have a moment where uh, and again, this is spoiler territory, but I think everybody is hopefully listening. You're listening yeah. to this, you if should you have, have watched the show watched already. The finale, stop, You're wrong. Stop right yeah. now because yeah. I'm about to say something that, you know. But um, but it, if that conversation had kept going, if Reese was not in a place where he was given over so fully to vengeance that he has written that Hartley name on the list already, if that conversation had kept mm-hmm. going... He would have heard Ben Edwards' name in that call, mm. right? Yep. He would have. Mm. And because mm-hmm. he thinks he knows, thinks he has his final target, boom, he presses that button. By the way, that's one of the best. The other, like, we have two of the best inserts uh, in the show in this episode. One, the little, like, push in on the phone where Ben is outside yep. listening to the Howards talk and he's listening through so the cell great. phone. Love that. And then... This shot of going down the list and then pressing send on the call mm-hmm. to the to Trader, 
that that's an insert shot. We that's a pickup. We picked that up at another time. Love it. Oh, just powerful. Yeah, so great. So great. And Jack, talking about when you kicked this off for this scene, you talked about Howard pulling into the parking lot. And you know what I noticed last night? And I mean, we set the scene up, so it was done by design, but I, I guess it was. I don't know, Dave, you, you correct me on this if not, but what I picked up last night is when Howard pulls in the parking lot, you notice all the vehicles are, are backed yeah. in what we call a combat part, right? Mm -hmm. So you can get out quick. He pulls nose yeah. in, you know, and, and dang yeah. it, I didn't notice that. I, That's my thing. Yeah, it, dang exactly. It. When we park, we, we reverse in, yeah. right? Always. It's just a habit that doesn't leave us, you know? And I noticed that last night. I'm like, oh, he pulled in. He knew like he, there was no, never a reason he was going to be he's getting out of there back. fast. He was, yeah. he, he's not coming he's back. Not coming and that, back. that, yeah, that hit me last night. I just thought that was so well nice done. Catch. And I don't, yeah, I don't remember Dave on the day. I, I just, I don't remember that. I don't, you know, I would like to say I, yeah, we, yeah. I knew that was set up like that. Or a happy I, accident. I that, There's plenty of happy accidents. Yeah, whatever happen. it was, I noticed it yeah. yesterday. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's wicked. Like, that was. It's wicked. And that. Yeah. Yeah. Very and that shot, mm -hmm. by the way, is, um, and I can't remember, this is, this is an Evans Brown episode, but Armando had to do a couple days on it because we were also still filming 106 while we were doing 107. So I can't remember who shot this, but it is, um, if you've seen the movie The Exorcist, this shot of Howard getting out and more calm behind him, that's actually straight out of The Exorcist. Yeah, oh, it's wow. just a, it's a total homage shot. It's oh, wow. nice. just a wicked shot. And it gets very yeah. kind of horror with the mm -hmm. score at that moment. And and it's and it's one of the heaviest scenes. And and we that was one Jack, where you know when I read the book, the I was like, oh, we're doing that. We are doing that because <laughs> nice. you capture all of that with Tedesco nice. in the book. All of that yeah. is captured, and and man, again, Matt Roush, whew, the breath work, so good. So, so good in this scene, so good. He's got a little sweat going, it's just struggling to get the words out. Mm -hmm. Oh man. Yeah, and the way Nick, Nick plays yeah. it, I mean, incredible. And then I love how it transitions. Bam, now we're on Tony in the car, JD, and the explosions in yep. the background. So it's linked. And then the way he looks at the house could be remote detonation. Boom. Boom, and he knows. Yeah. And he knows. And throwing on that, the the body armor, he's going yes. across the street and uh, and heading in. And the sh Reese's shadow on the inside. And then make an entry. And then a little bit of a love scuffle. It. I love this part. Love it. Mm -hmm. I love this part. And I got to say, Dave, you were right. You were 100% right because I oh, yeah. wanted to end this episode a different this. way. Yes. Yeah, I'm yeah. kind of jumping the gun because because uh, I love this episode. I loved it and this scene. I loved it so much that I wanted this episode to end. Right there. Right there. Yeah. Stay off my list. You know, like yeah. it has to end right it? there. It's perfect. Yeah. You know, we, why do we have to have, why do we have to have yeah. Katie and Hartley get together at the end? Yeah. Can we do that earlier or something? And you're like, nope, it has to. And you explained it to me why. Um, but I still, I pressed, I, I pushed yeah. on it a couple more times. Um, but now when yeah. I watched it last night, I'm like, I can't imagine how we ended it so, the way I wanted to. It is so much better with Hartley and with Katie exactly. in the library. It's so much better it, and it's, know, that and, way. Uh, and I was thinking about what you told me and you were, I mean, you were exactly right yeah. why it had to be that way. And you were totally no, and that, right that I think was John Schumacher who had the notion, cause we had written it earlier 
and it broke up the flow of that final run. And I think it was John who suggested we put it as a kind of post-credit scene. Mm. And but but the reason to let the audience in on our conversation, you're not wrong. You're right. Like for the episode itself, really would be great to just end right there. But when you have a whole season of TV, mm-hmm. that's why that's mm-hmm. why you got to have that Hartley Katie cliffhanger because it's a season and it's pulling you into that finale. Pulls you, pulls you into the next yep. episode. No, it's so great. It's so great the way way it was done. So glad you didn't listen. To me on that one. <laughs> um, I was with you but, on uh, with uh, Jack on yeah. that. I was the same way. I'm like, no, it's yeah. got to end right there. And yeah. funny enough. Last night for me as well, watching it again, I, I felt the power of Dave, the, the way you set it up like yeah. that. I'm like, gosh, dog, mm-hmm. it, he's right again. Yeah, you know, it's, the, like see, it's was, the season, though. Yeah. But again, you guys are 100% right. In the episode, boom, that's the end. But because you're mm-hmm. telling that full season and you're getting to the finale, you need that real cliffhanger on the character level that mm-hmm. pulls yeah. you into it. Yep. So good. So good. But I love the scuffle in yes. the house. And now we have Reese and we have uh, JD right there as Tony. Uh, Reese has him at gunpoint. We had the I am justice yes. line. Amazing. And then follow it up with stay off my list. I mean, in the same scene, I do, do want to say this is a qualifier. We wrote this and shot it before the Batman came out. So I am justice was not in another oh, a, like major show or movie. Oh, before. I didn't yeah. realize. We had that. I did not we even realize it. that we it was in there. It. We own that. We own it. Yeah. I've not oh, seen the yeah. new Batman yet. Yeah. Now I'm going to have to, no, now I'm going to have to watch it. Oh way. man. It's one of those moments you're oh. like, oh, no. Yeah. Dang yep. it. Yep. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, what did you think when you heard, when oh, you saw my God. that? Well, we were locked. Like, we were done. We were delivered. And it's oh, the good. kind of thing. It's good. a huge movie, you know, all this stuff that, and, and when you see your line taken by another movie, your instinct is, well, we have to, cut it out but you can't you just can't at this point it lives in it and here's why it lives because chris crushes it and it sets up the final line of stay off my list right Mm -hmm. which is really like your justice is not my justice my justice is righteous right that's what he's saying Mm. to tony in that moment it's a big moment between those two actors and um, mm-hmm. and again, our boy up here crushes that. Yep. 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 No, it's a uh, it's amazing. I love this episode, and now I love how it ends. Uh, <laughs> and it does. It draws you into that uh, that next one. You're still like as a viewer, like, oh, is Hartley good Ooh. or bad here? And is this what's which, what do we got going on? Um, so yeah, there's it's it yeah you guys yeah. crushed this so thank you and and the 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 last thing that i want to hit on as far as with the the pillar howard uh kill kill scene explosion Mm. dave it was actually max adams who came up with the idea of the claymore what if we strapped a claymore Mm. yeah so that once again max adam and then we started breaking down how to do it but dave do you remember what what ended up being so cool about the claymores other than i mean you always kind of wonder what claymores would do to somebody yeah. if you did that you know but is the camera coming in 
on tight of front towards front enemy. towards enemy. Yep. Yeah, right you know, and that that's that's huge. Yep. Obvi- yeah, on multiple levels, yep. you, you know, you have what the claymore is a, is intended for, yep. you know, but then you're clearly showing who the enemy is, yep. you know, and it it's just that was a just a cool, powerful moment with those those three words, you know, on that on that claymore, and so it's such it it was so important to have that position when we built out the vest to where the camera could come in tight and capture those words right before it went high order. Yeah. Really cool. Yep. Yep. Man. What an episode. Mm-hmm. What, I mean, I don't even know what you can, what else we can say about that one. Cause it's, uh, yeah, it, it's hard to choose a favorite, but this certainly, uh, Dave, as you said, having this be the one that you want to write, if you're a writer leading into the, the, uh, yeah. the final episode, um, you know, I can see it. I can see it. It's such a fun episode. It's so powerful. Um, everybody's top of their game. They're developed. The characters are developed now through these uh, now seven hours or six just prior. And uh, and now they get to kind of exploit all that buildup yeah. of character development to this final scene for some of them because they're uh, going into the ground. Um, and, uh, and, and Reese is off to finish that list. That's right. Amazing. Amazing. Great stuff. Awesome. What else about this scene? Anything? Uh, any other music stuff in this one? I forget exactly if we had any other uh, anything else. No, I think one. I think we hit on it. I mean, this is a big a big episode in terms of score. Um, just phenomenal work. We kind of talked about it as our most kind of horror esque uh, mm-hmm. score as we got through it. Scott Turner, our editor, did an incredible job with this one uh, as well, big time. Um, and he kind of like helped along with Fred craft this kind of like patient push and the camera is kind of mm. always just a little more paranoid in its point of view than we've had before. So without a doubt, our most psychological episode of the season and, uh, and, a, and a big thank you to our cast because, dude, this is one where everybody, you know, had monster scenes and rose to the occasion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I was with a uh, with a Delta Force buddy this past weekend, and we went to went to dinner. And what does he do? Combat parks uh, in a Toyota Tacoma. Uh, you know, so, and, and he and he I loved love it. it. He he oh, loved it. So yeah. great to hear. And I'm getting so many texts from uh, from people like that that have done you know more than you know more than most will ever know. I mean, yeah, there's those guys. Are that means the world because um, they can put themselves in the yeah. in these shoes. Uh, you know, yep. and it's not some fantastical. You know ballet type of fight sequences and it's not uh you know cgi you know craziness that's obviously not real but still visually appealing um it's uh it's gritty and it's raw and it's dark with just like going down range and just like doing the job Mm -hmm. so so these guys all you know i think and sense that and sense that it was important to us and if they you know if they know me then they know it was important um to me so it's uh yeah, I love getting that feedback, uh, especially from a couple of those commands. Yeah, that's the best text and best compliment amazing. we can get right there is that the best compliment is is coming from from operators, you know, because as we all know, Dave, you know it now. Yeah. That their operators are not the, the easiest. <laughs> They're not easy. Please, not no, easy to no, please. And, and, 
No, and, yep. and especially in this space, you yep. know. So when you have, you know, combat hardened dudes reaching out and saying, "Hey, job well done. You guys, you guys, you guys did well." That yep. to me, that's that's about the highest praise we can we can oh, get. Yeah. You know, that's fantastic. Not one of them has said it was a little too violent, <laughs> a little too dark, uh, a little uneasy with this scene. He, no, yeah. <laughs> zero yeah. of those. Yeah. Ever, the zero feedback yeah. like that okay. from the operators. Right. Cool. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> Yep. Oh man. Well, let's uh let's move on to uh the final Boom, finale. Let's go to eight. Man, thank you guys so much for doing this. Uh I can't thank you enough for taking the time and for spending the last two years uh, you know, developing and filming and into post production and, and everything else. So um so thank you guys again. And I almost want to just keep well hopefully we do keep going and we can do another one of these for the uh for the next season. You know, we'll see. Absolutely. We'll see. And everybody else out there, thank you for listening to the Terminal List Podcast, an Ironclad original brought to you by Casey Cattle Company. If you like the show, be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. You can follow David DeGilio at DeGilio Films on Instagram. Of course, Jared Shaw is not on uh, Instagram or the social channels, but you can find him right here on the Terminal List Podcast. And if you go to the bottom of your screen on Amazon and you can click over on all those little bubbles of people, Jared's in there. So be sure and do that. You can follow me at Jack Carr USA on the show socials. Officialjackcar.com is the website and we'll see you in the next episode. Mm-hmm.